You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? Good? One person's great. Another person's awesome. Very good. Very good. Well, good morning. My name is Ronnie. I serve as the family life pastor here at East Point. Uh, So if we haven't met yet, it is uh, good to be here with you. It's also good to be here with you if we have met. Um, So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. All right, and I got a question for you. All right, church? What are you afraid of? What scares you? All right, this is, we're, we're a family here, right? We're family, all right? So this is a judgment-free zone. We're not judging anybody. But what are you, what are you afraid of? T- turn, to, turn to the person next to you. Turn to your neighbor. Say, I'm not going to judge you. Now, say it again, but like mean it. Mean it this time. I'm not going to judge you. All right, what are, what are you scared of? All right, moment of honesty. You scared of heights? Anybody scared of heights? Yeah, you're, you're the person, like, when everybody else is, like, toeing the edge of the cliff, like these guys here, you're, you're the one, like, on all fours in the back, like, holding on to the, on, holding on to the cliff, right? Right? Scared of heights. Or maybe anybody else? Scared of the dark? Afraid of the dark? It's not just kids, right? All right, be honest. Anybody? Appreciate the honesty. All right, afraid of the dark. You're the, you're the person that has a flashlight in every room of the house just in case. Right, you, you when you're woke, awoke, awakened, awoken, awakened in the middle of the night, you, you send your spouse out there in the dark to go investigate what the noise is. Right, so maybe it's not the dark. Spiders. Anybody? Anybody afraid of spiders? You should be. Right, that's a black widow. Right, I'm pretty sure it's poisonous. All right, but the thought of like a spider crawling up your back, like. Awful, right? Almost as bad as their ugly, ugly cousin. Spider cricket, camel cricket. All right, these these little spawns of Satan, right? They're uh, if I w- if if I was afraid of anything, this this might be it, you know. Um, but maybe anybody snakes. If the others didn't get you. This one, right? I, uh, you want me to leave that? I'll leave that up. Um, a couple months ago, I, w- I was walking through the woods. I was getting ready for hunting season, so I was trying to figure out where all the deer were, were hanging out at. And so I'm walking through the woods. At this point in the story, I'm walking uh, through some tall, tall grass, and just one foot in front of the next. And I go to put my foot down at one point, and I don't put my foot down on the grass. I put my foot down on a, like, a five-foot-long black snake. Uh, and I, I would love to be able to stand here and tell you this morning that I, I simply just removed my foot from the snake, uh, stepped back, and just went about my business. Uh, but that's not what happened. So have you ever, like, felt fear, like, physically, like, in your body? In that moment, I, f- I felt fear from the tip of my toe, like, to the top of my head, all right, all over my body, just fear. And so I jumped back, 
And as all this happens within a matter of like a, under a second, I jump back and for some reason I, I like cross my arms around my chest almost to like give myself a hug and like let myself know like it's going to be okay. All right, so I do that. That's not even the worst part. The, the worst part is, is the noise that comes out of my mouth. It's like a, it's a noise, this high-pitched squeal, all right, that, that I'm not going to do it right now, but this high-pitched squeal that no man should, should, that should never happen, all right, should never happen. I was afraid. That's, that, was, that was fear. I was scared. Wouldn't it be, be something if, if in the world we live in it was just snakes and, and spiders that we had to be afraid of? But no, we, we, we have the potential for a world war. We have, we have violence in, in cities all over the place. Sickness. And if those things are out there, like closer to home, we, we have to worry about our own health. We have to worry about whether, we have to fear about whether we can protect our kids. Fear about whether we can make ends meet, if we can provide for our family. Fear of losing relatives. We're surrounded by fear. Had, had anybody witnessed this little incident between me and, and the snake? Like they would not be telling a story of, of Ronnie Cannon's manliness, all right? But they would be telling a story, story of his fearfulness. There were so many things to be afraid of out there, like as Christians. Don't, don't you want people to tell a story not of your fearfulness, but of your faithfulness? Your trust in God, a trust in God that can weather any, any fear there is out there, anything there is to be afraid of. This morning I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 21. I want to show you what happens when sh uh, fear shakes your faith. When fear shakes your faith. We're going to see what we compromise. Four things that we compromise when fear overtakes our faith. And so before we jump in this morning, our, our text takes us back some 1,000 years before Jesus walks the earth. So a long time ago, it takes us back to the life of David. You've probably heard of David. Right? David, the, the young man that defeated Goliath, the giant. David, God's chosen king of Israel, his people. David, from whose line the Messiah, who we now know as Jesus, would come from. It's this David. And, and recently in the life of David, a lot of major things have happened, okay? All right, one, he's anointed as the next king of Israel. And this was God's. God's plan because the current king, King Saul, he's, he's turned his back on God. He, he's living in disobedience to God. And if a king lives in disobedience to God, his, his people will follow. So it's God's plan to replace Saul with David. So he's anointed and, and then David goes on in, in a battle against the Philistines to, to take on Goliath, the giant, the, the barbarous giant, when nobody else will. He stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, and he defeats him. And because of that heroic act, David's fame just it grows. It spreads rapidly, right? wildly popular in Israel. 
And so like the, the ladies, the ladies love David. They're, they're singing in the streets this song. Saul has killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. All right? It's not a, not a chart topper by any means. It's a song nonetheless. All right? So they're singing this song, and, and you just do a, a little bit of simple math, and, and you see that, that the, the people think David ten times greater than Saul. So this is an insult to Saul, obviously. Saul doesn't like this. So this anger, this jealousy, this hatred grips the heart of Saul. He hates David. So much so that that he tries to kill him. He tries to throw a spear through him, all right? Not only does he do it once, he he does it twice. If somebody tries to kill you, you know, throw a spear through your heart once, maybe it was an accident, all right? Maybe, maybe just a fluke. All right, he does it twice. So David gets the picture, and David, he runs. He flees. Where, where Saul's heart was gripped with anger, now David's heart is, is gripped with fear. And so where we pick up, in, in 1 Samuel 21, verse 1, David is on the run. And it says this, Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter, and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, truly women have been kept from us always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it's an ordinary journey. How much more today will the vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there, but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. So tell, tell, me if, tell me if I'm the only one, but have you ever been on a plane when it's uh, hit some turbulence? Anybody? All right, and that, that sinking feeling you get in your gut. All right, that, that shortness of breath, that, that skip of your heart, that, that fleeting thought. They're like, this might be it. Right, like we're going down like I'm a goner right? It's fear. It's a a moment of fear. Does anybody live like that? Like studies, statistics tell us that that a lot of us do, that we live in this this constant state of anxiety, and increasingly so, but we're living in fear. And so David, and our text, is living in fear. Imagine you're David. You're in fear. Your life is in jeopardy. Running from King Saul. He wants to murder you. Right? And so what, what do you do? All right. Somebody wants to murder you. What do you, what do, you do? Quick lesson here. You run. Right? You run. David runs. He, he flees Gibeah. All right? He's in Gibeah. He's serving King Saul. King Saul try, tries to murder him a couple times. Now he's on the run. So he flees Gibeah. He leaves his wife who is in Gibeah. He leaves his, his friend who is in Gibeah. Drops everything. Runs to a town called Nob. All right? 
Good choice. Nob is the city of the priests. God's priests, the priests of Israel. Right? And if, if, you're, if you're in trouble, see a pastor, okay? Right? And it should go without saying, all right, that if, if anybody is on the run with somebody trying to murder them, like you can always come to me. Okay? My name is Daniel Fuoco. All right? <laughs> F-U-O-C-O, Daniel Fuoco. But David is on the run. And so after a two-mile uh, two sprint south, he arrives at, at Nob. And, and, and David comes here hungry, right? He, he's asking for bread. And so I imagine David, like, like, getting to town ready to just cut to the chase, right? He's hungry. He wants bread. And Ahimelech, the priest, comes rushing out. And I think David's thrown off a little bit. I think, he, I think he's thrown off his, his game. Imagine I'm ready to cut to the chase. I'm hungry. Where's the, the bread? But, but Ahimelech's greeting, it's different. It says he comes out trembling. It turns out David's not the only one afraid. Maybe Ahimelech had heard of, of Saul's hatred for David. How he tried to murder him. How he wanted him dead. And now David is in his presence. Saul is actively trying to kill David. And now David is here. Not a good time to be associated with David, right? It's like, parents, it's like when, you're, when your kid says something uh, embarrassing in a public place, all right, and you, uh, what's your move? You, you take a couple steps back. You sink into the crowd. You blend in. Whose kid is that? Right? Not a good time to be associated with David. And so he runs out to, to meet David, and he's abrupt. He's to, he's to the point. He cuts to the chase. There's no time for pleasantries. He says, why are you alone and no one with you? Popular David, a man as popular as David, like somebody should be with him, right? Surely he should have a crowd, but he's by himself. He's all alone. Something is amiss. And so David, with, he's got a couple choices with his response here, a couple options Option A, he could, he could tell the truth. Tell Ahimelech the truth. Look, Saul, once he does want to murder me and he's, he's hunting me down. You could be putting yourself in jeopardy. Or option B, he could lie, fabricate a story, kind of put Ahimelech's mind at ease. So surely like the, God's chosen king, right? David, surely the, the, the man that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart, right? Surely he'll tell the truth. He lies. He goes with option B. He tells his story. He says, The king has charged me with a, with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. Right? He, he tells him, I, The king has sent me on this highly classified business trip about which I cannot tell you the matter. Right? Like one, one of those, I, I tell you, but I'd have to kill you kind of things. He's a liar. Liar, liar. His pants are on fire. He tells him a lie. He's not serving the king. He's running from the king. He lies. See, maybe this man after God's own heart forgot God's own commands. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And if that's not direct enough, do not lie, right? 
Like, don't you like it when, like, the, the Bible's, like, direct and to the point? Like, you open up the Bible, should I lie? Do not lie. Right? We got to love passages like that. But he, he lies. He breaks God's command. Because when fear shakes your faith, God's commands get compromised. When fear shakes your faith, God's commands get compromised. Out of fear and an effort to help his own cause, David's compromise was to lie. So unlike David, you and I are probably not on the, the run from anybody trying to murder us. But no matter what context we find ourselves in, no matter what stage of life we find ourselves in, we are surrounded by things that invoke fear. And because fear surrounds us, we're, we're constantly faced with this temptation to compromise. Where there's fear, there's a, a temptation that comes with it. Will you stick with God's word? Will you stick with his commands? Will you stay faithful to his word? Or will you compromise? Church, when faced with the fear of which, God, of, which of God's commands we are tempted to overlook, which of God's commands take a back seat in moments of, of fear and desperation, so if our fear, for example, is what other people will think of us, are we more, are we more tempted to compromise God's commands then? Are you tempted to do what you, you should not do? Say what you should not say. To get by, to fit in, to blend in. Singles, my, my, my single people. When faced with loneliness, the fear of loneliness, when after, year after year, the, the Mr. or Mrs. Wright doesn't walk through the door, and you're faced with this fear of loneliness, like, will this stay like this forever? Are you tempted to compromise God's commands when it comes to, to marriage? To not, be, to not be unequally yoked? Are you tempted to compromise what, what the Bible tells you to, to save for marriage, to, to put a band-aid over that loneliness? What commands are you tempted to compromise? And so we're looking here at David as an example of like what not to do, right? We we gotta empathize with David. Right? We know fear. And we know temptation. But church, be careful. When fear shakes your faith, God's commands get compromised. All right, so back to David. David's hungry, right? He's on the run. He's hungry. He came to the Nob looking for bread. And Ahimelech the priest, he grants his request. He gives David the bread, the bread of the presence. All right, did David deserve bread? No. Right? Remember, he lied. Did he deserve bread? No. But praise God that God doesn't always give us what we deserve. Praise God that he's so gracious, he's so merciful, so loving, compassionate, and so, so patient that he doesn't give us what we're owed. He still takes care of us. He still provides for us. He still cares about even the smallest details of our lives. He gave David bread. Verse 7, 
Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. All right, so something scary happens in this, this one little verse all right, that might be easy to miss. Something scary, scarier than the snakes and the spiders, all right? Doeg, this man, as, as David is, is receiving the bread from Ahimelech, he, he catches somebody out of the corner of his eye staring at him, witnessing this whole encounter, this whole exchange, and it's Doeg, the Edomite. All right, this, this is a moment where David's fear increases. Doeg's name literally means full of fear. All right, this, this, is, a, this is bad. This is really, really, really bad. All right, see, Doeg is a faithful servant of King Saul. One of his highest ranking servants. And he's witnessed this whole exchange of Ahimelech helping out David, who is fleeing Saul. And later David would go on and he'd admit that in this moment, says, I knew that on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. So David knows in this moment that he's messed up. He's made a mistake. That Doeg's going to go back. He's going to tell Saul. And so if we were to, to look ahead to chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, we would see the consequences of, of what took place here. Doeg does go back and tell Saul about Ahimelech giving aid to David. And an already angry Saul is now enraged, and he, he summons Doeg to go gather up all 85 priests that were, that were in Nob, and he gathers them up, and he slaughters them. He kills them. And wor worse than that, Doeg goes back into Nob, and it says he put to the sword both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep. You know, I mean, some, some people may say the Old Testament is outdated and unrelatable, but does that not sound a lot like what we've seen in the news recently? So David's decision to come to Nob to ask for help from Ahimelech is going to prove costly, very, very costly. Because when fear shakes your faith, mental clarity gets compromised. David wasn't thinking clearly. When I was in, a, when I was in college, every year the, the college did this thing where you'd compete for a, all these different organizations and groups would compete on campus, do these, all these different athletic competitions, all right? So we had any, anything from ping pong to, uh, to like a mini triathlon. All right, so all week long you're competing, and the, the event culminated on Friday night with a wrestling match in front of the whole school, all right, packed gymnasium, every, every student there. And uh, so the people in my group, luckily, we had every weight class full, except for the 220 weight class, all right? Thankfully, I had no experience uh, wrestling, all right, and I weighed 165 pounds at the time. Right? Significantly underweight, no experience. Certainly they wouldn't put me in the 220-pound weight class. And they did. All right? They vol voluntold me to go wrestle in the 220-pound weight class. All right? my, my experience with wrestling was um, 
seeing like dudes dressed up in funny costumes, sometimes Speedos, and they, they'd slam each other through the table, and you'd have a ladder match or something like that. Um, and now I'm expected to, to wrestle in the 220-pound weight class. And so I have a week to learn all there is to know about wrestling before the match. And some guys are, like, showing me, showing me the, these moves. And I, it didn't take them long to realize, like, this dude doesn't stand a chance. All right, like, he, like he's going to lose, and he's going to lose bad. So their advice to me, and it was good advice, they, they kept beating into my head, like, hey, don't go on the offensive, don't go on the attack, play defense. Let him come to you, all right? So every time we practice, that's what they would tell me. All right, so Friday rolls around, and every, the whole school's there. Everybody's wrestled in the 220-pound weight classes, like the last class they call up. And so they call my name over the speakers. I walk down the stands. As I'm walking down, uh, the guys remind me. They're like, look, let him come to you. Play defense. I'm like, all right. And uh, so I get on the mat. They call my opponent. It is the, uh, the running back of the college football team who, who weighs every bit of 220 pounds. All right. I found out later, the hard way, that he was the state champion wrestler in high school as well. Uh, so he knew, I knew a thing or two about uh, wrestling. And so we, I don't know, we shake hands or bow or whatever you do when you're wrestling. And I get in my wrestling stance, whatever that looks like. And ding, 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 they ring the bell. And I'm like, just play defense. All right, and then we're standing there. It's awkward. So I panic, right? I already came into this thing afraid, and now we're just standing there, like, looking at each other. So I dive in, all right? I go on the attack, and uh, he quickly picks me up. I don't know if he picked me up above his head. It felt like that. Looking back, I think that's what happened. Picked me up, slammed me on the ground, busted my lip, busted my nose, ding, 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 second bell rings, I've lost the match, all right? Leave there with a bruised ego, all right? And an end to my wrestling career. What happened? I was afraid, right? I was afraid and fear compromised my mental clarity. They had been telling me all along, play defense, let him come to you. That went out the window when I was afraid. Fear compromised my mental clarity. Anybody ever been there before? Like fear makes you you do things that you know you shouldn't do. And you do them anyway. Like some of us have these heroic stories of like doing something brave in moments of fear. Others of us, like some of the dumbest things we've ever done, some of the dumbest decisions we've ever made have, have come out of fear. Things we've done, choices we've made. When, when looking back like David, we say, I should have known I would regret that. Be careful because when fear shakes your faith, mental clarity gets compromised. And so Ahimelech gives David bread. Like if, if Saul's going to kill, kill David, at least David's not dying hungry. Right? But he needs like a, a weapon. Something a little sharper, a little heavier than a loaf of bread to protect himself. So verse 8 says, Then David said to Ahimelech, then have you not here a, a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth 
behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. And so if you're, if you're familiar with the, uh, the account of David versus Goliath, you know it wasn't all that long ago where our story takes place. It wasn't all that long ago that, that David, in the middle of battle, was standing toe-to-toe against Goliath, a giant that nobody else would take on. But David did. And even, even more impressive than that, King Saul, before this battle between David and Goliath is about to take place, he offers him his, his own armor to protect him. And you know what David says? He says, I cannot go with these. Instead, he, he goes with a, a shepherd's staff and a sling and five little stones. And, and David marched up to Goliath and he says, you come to me with a sword with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. See, Goliath had his sword, but but David had his God. For David, God was enough. Under the conviction that Goliath's power and his, his weapons were no match for God, David had no fear. But now here he is. This is the same David, not too long afterwards, afraid. He's afraid of Saul, and he's asking Ahimelech for a sword to protect himself against Saul. And he's given the sword of Goliath. The same sword that was at one point no, no match for David and no match for David's faith in God. But when fear shakes your faith, personal convictions get compromised. Personal convictions get compromised. Once upon a time, it was David's conviction that that, that God would work on his behalf, that God would protect him, that God was enough. He had no fear against Goliath. But now he feared man, he feared Saul. So he takes matters into his own hands. Has anybody ever, ever been there, right? Like once standing Standing so tight, holding so tightly to your, your convictions. Standing so tall for what you believe in. Holding to your principles until fear creeps in, until fear overtakes you. Things you said you would never do. Say things that you said you would never say. Behaviors you thought you'd always be above. Temptations you thought you'd never succumb to. When fear shakes your faith, personal convictions get compromised. And that's what, hate, well, that's what happened to David. Right? We, we, we wish in this, like, in this scene that David would have saw this sword and immediately recognized the sword. And when he recognized the sword, been reminded that, of, of God's faithfulness, of how he, how he carried him through in battle against Goliath. We wish that was the case, but it wasn't. How easily we forget God's faithfulness in the past when we're faced with fear in the present. So he looks to the sword for protection. And look look what happens next, verse 10. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. 
And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Kish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. So David, out of, out of fear, has, has made some uh, bad decisions lately, right? right? On the run, he shows up to Nobi, asks for bread, and compromises the safety of a priest. Turns out a whole slew of priests. But, but maybe, maybe his next move will prove to be a little, uh, a little smarter. Now tell me if, if this is what you would do, right? And, and keep in mind, we're removed from the situation. We can think a little clearer. We're not running in fear. We don't have to fear for our lives. But would you, wouldn't you flee to uh, some no-name town where nobody knows your name and, and just blend in, live happily ever after, you know, a little witness protection kind of stuff there? That would be my plan, right? But sweet, sweet David. He goes to Gath, right? Gath, the, the hometown of Goliath. The giant that he, uh, that he killed all, not all that long ago. Where the Philistines, the, they're mourning the loss of their prized warrior, Goliath. He goes to Gath. And worse yet, he, he goes in there strutting, strutting through town with his newly acquired sword around his waist. The sword of Goliath. Mind you, it's the same sword that David cut Goliath's head off with. David goes to Gath. But hey, maybe they won't recognize him. Maybe he'll fly under the radar. Now imagine, imagine you're David here, all right? You're walking through town hoping, praying that nobody recognizes you. But then heads start to turn. Eyes start to look up. People start to whisper, and then somebody shouts out, Is not this David the king of the land? Busted. Right? Busted. And they, they recognize you immediately. And if anybody hates you as much as Saul, it's the Philistines, so they seize you. They seize you, and David, he's got to think of a plan B, right? Think, think, think. What's a plan B? His plan act demented, act crazy. In their hands, he pretends to be crazy. And to his credit, it's a good act, right? He put on a good act. Like this could get David an Oscar, right? He's got spittle running down his beard, it says, drooling, running around, clawing up the, the gates and the doors. He's giving it all he's got. But isn't this the same guy that stood before Goliath once upon a time with such confidence, such faith in God, such boldness because he was confident in God. But his faith has been shaken by fear. His confidence devolves into craziness because when fear shakes your faith, your identity gets compromised. You see, out of fear, David pretended to be somebody that he wasn't. Crazy, demented, right? He pretended to be somebody he wasn't. And if I, th I think if we're honest, like we don't have to try too hard to relate to David here. 
You ever act out of character when you're afraid? When, like when you're afraid of standing out. When you're afraid of people not liking you, when people not approving of you. When you're, when you're just afraid, do you ever do, do things that you wouldn't normally do, behaviors that you wouldn't normally do? Do you act out of character? Do you ever act foolish when you're afraid? That's what David did. Verse 14, it says, it says this, Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen? that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? You know what's crazy about this whole story? This whole scene right here in Gath. As silly as it is, it, it works. David's plan B works. The king lets him go. He says, look, I've got enough crazy people like, around me on a day-to-day basis. All right, do I need another one? Right? Some scholars say that, that he was a youth pastor. Right? And so they let him go. He says, let him go. So does the king let him go because of some wise plan that David concocted, some brilliant idea to act crazy and and that, that's what caused him to let him go? Isn't it the grace of God that let him go? Wasn't it God that, that, that stepped in and clearly a plan that was silly from the beginning? Didn't, didn't God still free David? It was God's grace. And so after these, these four points of the sermon, uh, the, the, to be honest, haven't been all that encouraging, right? Talking about the things that we compromise when, when we're afraid. Right? We, we, we need to leave here with some type of encouragement. And, I, and I, could, I could, literally all I have to do is just list more things to be afraid of and our fear will increase. Don't, don't we need encouragement? Church, we're reminded from this little scene this morning that even when fear shakes your faith, God stays faithful. Even when fear shakes your faith, God stays faithful. So maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning and you, you needed to hear that. Maybe, maybe you need to hear that your, the foolish mistakes of your past, the, your, your past decisions, your, your track record of faithlessness doesn't change the fact that God is still faithful, that He's still gracious, that He doesn't give us what we deserve, that He's still loving and compassionate and patient with us. So I believe in this moment God was reminding David that it was him all along that was taking care of him. Remember, he gave him, it was really God that gave him the bread, provided for him. It was him that was protecting David when he was afraid. It was him that, though David concocted this last-minute 
silly plan to pretend he was crazy, that it was really God who freed David. Even when fear shakes your faith, God stays faithful. So there's, there's, there's many things today that could be causing you fear. War, violence, health, relationships. First Samuel 21 reminds us that, that God, it's God who is in control. No matter what's going on out there, no matter what's going on in the world, what you see on the news, what's going on in your home, it's still God who's in control. And when your faith is shaken, you need to remember that God is still faithful. And when you look at the world and when you look at your situation, your, your circumstance, and you start, you start to doubt, does God see me? Is God really in control? Is he really faithful? Is he really protecting me? He's already shown his faithfulness by, by meeting your biggest need. Being separated from, from God because of our sin. Unable to have a relationship with God because of our sin. He sent Jesus, his son, down to earth, and, and Jesus died on a cross for that sin, and he paid the penalty of death for that sin. And so now, everybody who believes that, who trusts that, who surrenders their life to Jesus, is welcomed into the family of God. God's proven his faithfulness. He's proven his faithfulness. He's faithful yesterday. He was faithful back then in David's time. He's
about us people today. Maybe you're afraid of something, Father. Something going on in the world. Something going on. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.